weeks we've been uh, talking about what is the church and the church is us. Uh, you know, it's a pretty simple concept to think about that we are the church, but to understand what the church is in total, it's been a really fun journey for me at least, and hopefully for all of you also, to go into scripture and look at what scripture says the church is. And uh, this week is no different, but we're going to talk about uh, the church as a family in uh, the scripture. And uh, Pastor Chaz is going to begin with us uh, speaking in Acts chapter 2, but which is a beautiful picture of the church. You know, again, I, I, I guess I gave you a softball again this week, right? I keep, I keep lobbing it up to you here, but um, Acts chapter 2, and uh, we'll get into that here. Uh, momentarily, but Acts chapter 2 is just an amazing picture of what the church was like. But there's also other stories in Scripture that tell us about the church and how the church should be, things that are very important for us, and uh, we're going to look at those today as well. But this idea as a church, as a family, is nothing new. Uh, if you can look at the back of my sweatshirt here, I wore this on purpose, by the way, so yeah. Uh, the back of my uh, sweatshirt, if you can't read, says um, we're more than a church, we're a family. And uh, that is true. Not only because uh, I have some uh, crazy brothers and brothers-in-law uh, that I have to deal with. It. Oh, wait, I did look at you uh, for that. But, but uh, no, I'm kidding. But fam- family is a little, yeah, family's crazy. You know, you know family's crazy. But no, even more importantly than that, we are family because we're all sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. If you have given your life to Jesus and you've given your life to God and, and you live for him, then you have uh, you are part of the body of Christ. You are the family. But even more important than that, taking it another step, is that the local church has to learn to be a family. Because, obviously, if you look to the person on your left or you look to the person on your right, you may or may not know them, uh, but, or you may or may not be related to them. Uh, but if you are, they are family to you. But in addition to that, if they are here sitting beside you, you are part of the church family, which means that we need to learn to live as a family. Now, I said to these guys uh, and our leadership team in, in one of our leadership meetings a long time ago that, you know, every single person in this room has had a chance, could be somewhere else on a Sunday morning, right? You could choose to sleep in, you could choose to go to a different church, you could choose to be wherever you want, but you chose to be here. But in addition to all of you sitting here in the pews looking at me with those blank stares on your face like you're ready to go to sleep, I, I get it, I understand, us up here chose to be here as well. We could be somewhere else as well. We could be uh, at different churches. We could be at home sleeping. We could do any of those things. But we chose to be here. We chose you to be in family with us. Now, why is that important? That's important because many people who walk in the door of a church often come into the church and they view church as something they come to on Sunday morning. They spend a little time with someone. You know, spend a little time here and someone sing and play the guitar. And then they leave. And they go home. And they never interact at all. But the idea here, if we're a family, is that we learn to live together. We learn to do life together. We learn to share uh, what we have together, which you're going to hear about in Acts chapter 2, right? That's one of the main, of, uh, main parts of Acts chapter 2. I don't want to take a thunder away. But that's true. That What happens is that we share what we have, our intellect. We share our what we have together. We help each other out. We're there for each other. Why is that important? 
Because listen, more than ever, this is very important, we are entering into the end of the end of days, I believe. And I want to be, on, be really, really honest with you. If we are entering into the end of the end of days, and Lord, the Lord is going to return, may it be so very quickly that he returns to us, when he returns, we better be ready for what's also coming at that time. Great persecution is going to fall upon the church. Great problems are going to fall upon the church. And if I'm going to face persecution or problems or the world outside, guess who I want by my side? I want family, right? I want someone who knows me, who I am, knows my quirks, knows my uh, positives and my negatives, knows all of those things, and can still beside, be, be beside me. I want someone like Pastor Chaz beside me. I want someone like Corey beside me. Why? Because, first of all, he has lots of guns. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but I want Corey beside me because he's a good guy, and I know that he has the best for me. He looks out after my heart. He looks after my mind. And I do the same for him and his family. I want Pastor Chaz beside me because I have someone that I can go play golf with. No, I'm kidding. Not just golf. But uh, we can go get chicken, too. You, we haven't had you chicken want in a someone long time, that you can right? beat when you go play yeah. golf. Yeah. Oh, well, I wasn't going to say that. But uh, I think the last time we... I can't say that because the last time we golfed, you beat me. So, uh, But I want someone to be beside me who knows me, who loves me for who I am. Now, if you're just coming to church and you walk out of the church and you don't have any interaction, then what good is that? This is called family. It's getting to know each other. The familia, right? Uh, I am Italian. I, I every once in a while will move with my hands. But family makes a big difference. And so before I go any further, I don't want to keep going. I'll turn it over to you and let you jump in with Acts chapter 2. If you'll pray for us before we begin, though. Let's bow our heads. Uh, Heavenly Father, we love you, and it's our great pleasure and honor, Lord, to come into your house this morning, Lord, to, to feel your presence, to, Lord, to be a part of this body of believers, this family. God, we just pray that, Lord, you would come be with us today, that you would help us, Lord, to hear your word, to receive your word, to let your word have its work in our lives, that, Lord, we might grow in our relationship with you and with each other. God, I pray you bless our time together today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, fam. Good morning. Uh, you know, family is made up of people who share the same DNA. That's right. Uh, they have websites that you can go and explore, uh, you know, where your family came from, your family history, dating back hundreds of years. But what makes us family is the DNA that comes from Jesus Christ. There is a molecule in your body, in your soul, in your spirit that only came through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And that blood that, that shed, he shed on the cross is a blood that we share as a DNA that makes us family. Amen. So we are family. Make no, no question about it. We are family and, and family meets every Sunday and family meets on other occasions and family comes together. Uh, to do things, to do life together. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of this family, um, and I consider every one of you uh, brothers and sisters. Um, so Acts chapter 2, he said, <laughs> when you said uh, Chaz is going to speak Acts chapter 2, I thought, well, he's going to speak in tongues Acts chapter 2. Or there something. you go, like, go for it. <laughs> well, that's, that's put me on the spot, but no. Um, no, but what, what I'm going to talk about is Acts chapter 2, 
verse 44 through 47, and uh, what this church family started out as, and how we can be more like this church. Uh, so if you turn to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 44 through 47. When you get there, say amen. Amen. I'll wait then. When you get there, say amen. Everybody there, you got your Bibles, praise God. Hey, by the way, family brings their Bibles to church. Okay, I didn't get no amens there. Amen. Okay. Bring your Bibles. We're kind of spoiled with this uh, computer thing, with the screen. But, all right. It says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now we want to get to the point, uh, you know, every church that I know of, I've ever known of, wants to get to that place of the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We'd love to see people get saved. Amen. If you're, listen, if you're in the body of Christ, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to see other people get saved. Why? Because you realize the impact it's going to make on their life, but also the impact it's going to make on your, in, in the family and in the community. So it's, it's a joy to lead someone to Christ. But this, this church is a very unique church in the history of the world because this is the very first church uh, born out of the, the redemption that Jesus Christ brought. And so before Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross and rose again on the third day, they would go to the temple. They would, make their, they would, they would give their tithes to the temple. They would come and they would uh, uh, worship at the temple. So they would come and hear uh, preachers and teachers like Jesus Christ uh, teaching in the temple. Um, it was a place where they were gathered. So this is a very un- unique time in the history of the church also. So let's give you a little bit of background because I'll go back to uh, uh, what, G- what Peter did um, on the day of... This is, this is a continuation of the day of Pentecost here. Um, Peter uh, got up and preached the greatest sermon uh, probably ever preached in the history it was uh, the fact that Jesus Christ had come and been crucified and resurrected. He gave the gospel message for the first time on the day of Pentecost, the day that the Holy Ghost fell on, on uh, the upper room and on the people when they began to speak in tongues. And what there was was there were visitors in Jerusalem from far off, from Rome, from Egypt, from Ethiopia, from Asia, from all over the world. These were people who were Jews that had moved out of Israel, out of Jerusalem, to different places, but come together once a year, actually three times a year. This one would be uh, for the uh, Feast of Pentecost. But they came and they heard the gospel message preached in their language. What that meant was this that all those people who had come together and, and, and heard Peter preach this message because it was a, a, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, they now asked a question, and I'll, you, the question's found 
in verse 37, chapter 2, verse 37. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what should we do? And Peter responded to them saying, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So now the temple had changed from a physical temple to a other, some other physical temple, which was the people. The Holy Spirit now, when they received Christ, now they became the temple, the, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and they were individually temples of the Holy Spirit. So, and that meant something very important. I don't want to get too deep into that, but, but I want to say this, that now those who received Christ... We're told now, verse 44, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. So this church was made up of all those people who just heard the gospel for the first time. And the apostles and all those who were in the upper room, so about 120. So this thing started with all of them. So here's what they had in common. All right, or this is the three things that uh, we can talk about this morning. They sold their possessions and their goods and they had all things in common. Now, what, that, what does that mean? It means that all those people who were from a distant land, uh, Egypt, Ethiopia, all these other places, they sold their property and they stayed in Jerusalem. They came together with the apostles, with the, with the 120, and they started this thing. They kicked this off. So to do that, they had to free themselves up from all their possessions, right? Now, I'll get into that part later. The second thing they did was they continued daily in the temple. So the temple, as I remind you, was a place that they went to hear the teaching. Right? They heard Jesus teach. They had heard other teachers teach. They were Jewish teachers. Now they went to the temple and they became the teachers. See, what they did in the temple now was, they came, of course they came to worship. Of course they came to give their tithes and offerings. But now they came and they became the teachers. They, they, they came to teach people of Jesus Christ, fulfilling everything that was in the Old Testament. And the third thing was they ate together in each other's homes. Well, where else would you go? <laughs> okay, if you're from out of town here, if you're from way out from some far place, right, uh, they had to come together. And, but here's the cool thing about all this is they came together in each other's homes and they became family. They became a family. They were on a mission, but they, be, they, they did a mission as a family. So, I'm, I, before you go thinking to yourself, well, they, had, they sold all their possessions, they came uh, together, had all things in common, before you start thinking that they were a communist church. They were not a communist church, but they were communal in a sense that they, that they uh, come together. See, they had to uh, take care of all the loose ends. I have all these, I have property here, I got property there. Uh, they all had an inheritance in Israel. They probably sold that. And Jesus had told his disciples, remember this, that the temple would be torn down. Not one brick would be upon another at some point. And, and in AD 70, that was the truth. So they, this is the time where they took the, the church out of the temple and made it families centered in each other's homes. And they started out that way. So, uh, again, 
they, they learned in the temple, now they taught in the temple. But they were all in for the gospel. They left their old life for the new. Now, what did that mean for us? What do we do? How do we, how do we replicate this uh, if we were going to replicate that? Well, we do in a sense. Because we come together in the church. Right? We meet here in the church. And we meet here every Sunday. Every Sunday, everybody knows at Passion Community Church, this church is open. You should come. Be a part of the family. Listen to, to the preaching and the teaching of the word. Fellowship with each other. And share uh, our common life together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, the second part is the fellowship. We fellowship outside the church. Uh, you know what? You are welcome at my house. Come and have some dinner. You want to come have some dinner at my house? Listen, my wife will make you fat. I promise you. We started this thing. I was 180 pounds. Okay. That woman can cook like no one else that I know. But listen, our home is not our own. Our, what we have, our cars, our, what, what, everything that we have is not our own. We understand that what, what God gave us is for his purpose. So you're invited. You're invited. And we'll talk about Jesus. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, but the third thing is the giving. Okay, now the temple was the place that they were called to give. They were called to give a tithe. A tithe was a tenth of their uh, income, right? They supported the temple by their tithing. We support the church by our tithing. And that's where God says, bring your tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is the storehouse. See, when they sold their possessions... And, and distributed among each other what they had need of, they were doing just that. It was a special kind of tithing at that point in the history of the church. They were giving what they had so that the church could get kicked off and grow. We give what we have. Part of that portion, God's calling us to give a tenth of, what we, uh, of our income that we might propel the church to where it needs to be and where it's going to go. That's what we're called to do. That's how we can be a part of of a family like they were in Acts chapter 2. So this is what we are. This is what we do. And you know what? I'm thankful for the people that came before us. I'm thankful for the people in in Acts chapter 2, 44 through 47, that said, you know what? This thing's worth me giving up my former life and, and making a new life with my family in Christ. I'm thankful for all the people in the history. And I don't want to dig into anybody else's stuff. I'm thankful for the, the history of the church where they gave of themselves and, and presented themselves. They were there. They attended church. They came and participated in church. They participated in the fellowship. And they participated in the giving. Why? Because if they didn't, we would not, we would not be here. We would not exist. Yeah, I love that. I love that uh, Acts, you know, Acts, I love Acts 2 all together, but right. <laughs> Acts 2 church at the end of Acts 2 is amazing. One of the things that you said that, that struck me, and, and Corey, before I turn it over to you, one of the things that really struck me was that they cared so much about the church that they were willing to sacrifice everything they could. Now listen, I, the, I know when a pastor stands up here and says that, the very first thing goes across their mind is, 
what do you mean? I need to sacrifice my house. I need to sell all my goods. And No, that's not what we're asking at all. But what we're asking is that you make the family important. Right? I'm not asking you to go sell your house. I'm not asking you to sell all your possessions. If God asks you to do that, that's between you and God, right? But what I'm asking you is that the family becomes important. That means like, hey, when a family member needs something, guess what? You're there. If my sisters call me and say, hey, I have a tree down inside my house or outside my house in my yard somewhere, guess what? I'm going to be there. I'm dropping everything I can to come help them, right? Just like family. That's what family does. Family takes care of each other. And that's what I, I am so... Uh, appreciative of what they did here and just coming together and becoming such a uh, dedicated to that group and what they did you know, to do that. You got anything to say? Yeah, I just think it's worth adding here. You had mentioned that um, you said that it wasn't communism what they were doing, but it was living in community, right? Yes. When we look at the state of affairs today, we have a situation where the church for the past 200 years has essentially failed to do its job. Yeah. Um, right. If we look at the uh, the original purpose of the Acts 2 church, the church met the needs of the people who could not fulfill the needs for themselves. And what we have is basically what happened is government stepped in mm-hmm. in starting doing that. Now, right, wrong, or indifferent, um, there there's a, a division there because we're not doing our job. We should be doing things like the backpack program. Mm-hmm. We should be doing things like bridge builders and um, all the the community outreach events we do because that's what the original church was called to do. As a church, we're called to be the body. We're called to be the hands and feet like we talked about last week. Um, And in order to do that, we have to be meeting meeting the needs of the people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Go ahead. You can jump right in since you're... Um, Oh, am am I next? You're next. I'll check that out. All right. Uh, the Hebrews 10 church um, comes from, of course, the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Uh, just to give a little bit of background of what was going on in this time, um, it was not a good time for the church, as much of the, the history as uh, of the church. The fall of the disciples of Christ, they were being persecuted. They were scattered. Um, you know, there were literally armies coming, rounding up Christians and putting them to death for no reason other than being Christians. And we find out what's happening is uh, Christians stopped being Christians. They stopped being charitable. They stopped gathering together. They stopped calling themselves Christians. Um, and the writer of Hebrews is, um, you know, writing this letter to the people giving them an assurance that, look, even though things may not be so bad, even though there's some risk involved, we still need to be the church. And uh, I don't have all of this scripture up here, but I want to back up um, because the the section that we're really going to focus on, it it comes from um, the section that's talking about the full assurance of faith. So if we go back to uh, Hebrews 10, 19, um, The author starts off writing, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, 
for he who promised is faithful. So what he's saying here is, look, I understand what's going on outside. Looks pretty bleak. I understand that if we're caught meeting together as a church, we all may be put to death, but that's okay because we have the grace of God. We have the gift that Jesus gave us uh, who came, who was crucified for our sins so that we can enter into heaven. He literally says here that we have direct access to the holy place through the flesh of Jesus. What happened is back in the the Old Testament, one of my favorite Old Testament words is the tabernacle. Um, The tabernacle was their mobile temple. It was a tent that they set up everywhere. And with it, um, behind a curtain was the Holy of Holies where the presence of the Lord would be manifested. And you couldn't enter through that curtain unless you were perfect to the extent that they actually, if a priest was going in, they'd tie a rope to his ankle so that if he died because, you know, he sinned in some way, they could drag him out. Um, And he's telling us here, we don't have to worry about that. That curtain, when Jesus was crucified, was torn in two because that debt had been paid, letting us all access the Spirit of God directly. And wherever we go we bring the Spirit of God with us. So when we meet together as a church, we are bringing the Spirit of God to that church. Uh, Miss Tanya, I love what you said last week about this altar, right? Have it, We've been so long without an altar, a place to come. Traditionally, an altar is thought of a place where you come to meet God. And, and that still is true. There is some um, symbolic significance to having an actual altar, but the truth is, We are our own altars. We're a living altar. We carry the presence of God with us. And what the author of Hebrews here is saying, it's, look, it's time that you stop hiding under your rock. You carry that presence of God with you, and you be the church. Um, And it's important that in that being the church, we're gathering together because Christian life is not meant to live in isolation, uh, but it's meant to be lived in fellowship with other Christians. Um, and he states here that the solution to this problem of all of these Christians being, quite frankly, cowardly and not meeting together and not practicing in Christianity was they needed to start meeting together again. Um, and he continues in Hebrews 10, 24, and he says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some but encouraging one another, and the more as you see the day drawing near. I'm going to read that again. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what he's saying here, as we see the day, I believe that day is the final days, the days when Jesus is going to return, it's going to be more and more important that we meet together. Amen. Um, and there's countless, countless times in the Bible where um, the, the writers are saying that it's important that as Christians, as followers of Christ, that we're meeting together. Um, Proverbs 27, it says, As iron sharpens iron, man sharpens man. Have you ever tried to cut something with a really dull kitchen knife? We have a knife in our kitchen, and I, I can't stand it. You can't cut a paper bag with it. The reason that that knife has become so dull is because it hasn't been sharpened in a while. Uh, Logan and Lucas have this amazing talent to sharpen knives. They can take the the cheapest 
steel Chinese steel stamp knife, and they can make it as sharp as a razor. And the way that they do that is they take um, you know a diamond stone and a file, and they sit there and they grind it against that edge. And every time they make a pass over it, it just takes a little bit of it off and makes it pointy. It makes it super, super sharp. That's the same way that as men, I say men, but I mean men as in mankind, including the woman. If we are just on our own going at it, just trying to just chop through life, eventually we're going to get dull. I need that fellowship of my fellow man to come and rub up against me so that I can stay pointing. Um, regular fellowships with other Christians. <laughs> Never mind. We won't go there. Let's keep moving. <laughs> regular fellowships with other Christians is an essential component of Christian growth. Um, just like the church in Acts where we talked about, we should be coming together as a family, to care for each other and make sure that we're staying sharp. And I want to point out um, a very specific phrase here um, in Hebrews 24, where he says, not neglecting to meet together. And I I want to spend some time on this. I want to open up to to you guys over here. That word neglecting, Mm. um, you know, I often hear it phrased as um, willful um, like willfully not attending church. What does that mean to you guys? Like, where's where's the line between neglect and I have a valid reason to miss church on a Sunday? Well, I think you have to look at. I, and I was I want, I almost brought this up when Pastor Chaz was saying this, and then you brought it up again too. The whole temple, when the temple, the spirit of God was inside the temple, right? Something amazing happened when Jesus Christ was resurrected and that temple, that curtain split in two, right? That, that, that meant that the Spirit of God was everywhere. And, and the best thing that I can say from a neglecting standpoint, I mean, that, I, I believe that is one of the most underrated church history moments in, in, or moments in history of the church of all time, is that we don't understand the simple fact of what happened when that temple, when the curtain split in two, what that, what that set free unto us. But here's the, to answer your question in my mind, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Pastor Chaz, let him answer that too. In my mind, the, the willfully neglecting church is simply this. There is literally, um, there, isn't any, uh, there isn't any reason other than sickness or a vacation for you to miss church. And to me, that that is because listen, I, and I know I, I just simply saying those words, people are looking at me, going, "Oh, wait, you don't know what I'm doing there, and you don't know what I'm doing here." And yeah, I do understand, and I do understand, but but the the importance of what happens here in this place is amazing. And I'm not just talking about here at Passion Community Church. I'm talking about every local church that you go to. What happens here is that. God, we're here celebrating each other. We're celebrating each other. We're celebrating what God is doing in us. And to miss out on that is an amazing thing. And, and I don't think we take, we take what happens on Sunday morning and sure, I'm a pastor and, and everyone's like, yeah, I knew you were going to say this, Pastor Jason, right? But the truth of the matter is what happens on a Sunday morning is an amazing thing. And if we treat it as an amazing thing, it's something that you never want to miss. Well, I recall the scripture that tells us that uh, Ephesians 4, that uh, we are the body of Christ and every joint supplies something. 
to the body of Christ. Um, preach my sermon. Okay, <laughs> I got ten minutes to go too. So my don't, bad. Don't go too far in that topic. My bad. But you're <laughs> you you being here in fellowship with uh, every brother and sister in Christ that comes here is part of passion uh, or a local church body. Um, you bring something. You bring something. That's right. Um, whether you use that something in in the course of a uh, church service or not is another story. I mean. But you, there, you have gifts and abilities and things in in your life and in your uh, in yourself that we need. So every uh, person that comes here, you're important. You're very important. That's right. Um, so, but that I'm gonna go back. I'm, I'm not gonna get, jump on your part. So, <laughs> hopefully, that didn't. Do no, it. that's that. That's great because I think I would argue that that same thing. And we really we live in a time where there's no excuse to miss church. Uh, we live stream our services every Sunday. You can go online to Facebook and you can go to church. Um, there's a bunch of communities. Um, I know Life Church does amazing work with the Internet Church, where they are providing church services to places in China and um, some you know countries where you literally cannot meet together as a church. But they're able to you go online right. and form a community together. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just it's an awesome time that we live in, um, especially when you think about you know Jesus said that he wouldn't return until the whole world had the opportunity to hear it. Well, the whole world has the opportunity now to hear um, hear the, the gospel of Christ, um, and I think it's important. You know, Pastor Chad, just as you mentioned, we should be looking out for one another because we are one family. We're the family of God. Um, and as members of God's household, we need to be sharing, uh, showing love, hospitality, compassion, and humility. And I don't want to take up too much of your time, but this flows into your part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to share one more scripture. Um, this comes from Ecclesiastes, and Pastor Chaz, I believe you actually read this at our wedding. Um, but it fits in the context here, and it says that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another one to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Um, and of course, that we're talking about two, that third being a, uh, that third cord woven together is, of course, Jesus. Uh, when you have a group of people, the more the merrier, right? There's a reason that when, um, you know, we were cavemen in the Ungaboga days, you came together. You came together because a mountain lion can probably easily take down one man. I don't know how many men it would take down, it would take to fight off a mountain lion, but I reckon if we had, you know, 30 or 40 men, we could probably get it done, right? Mm-hmm. There's safety in numbers. More is always better. Uh, it's just like the, the saying that Jay loves, there's no replacement for displacement. You never get yourself in a situation where you're like, man, I wish I didn't have as much of this stuff as I brought with me. You always say, I wish I had more of it. Um, and this becomes just so much more important as the day is coming. It's important that we're together. It's important that we um, are meeting together. We trust each other. Um, and the bottom line is Jesus ministers to us through con- 
complementing spiritual gifts. Uh, we need each other for that. Some people have the gift That's of right. hearing. Uh, hearing. Some people have the gift of healing. Some people have the gift of prophecy. In order for the church to function, we need all those under one roof. That's right. Um, when Amen. we're worshiping together, um, you know, if you're worshiping at home in your living room and you're listening to a song, you can raise your hand. That's kind of silly. Like, there's no one else around you. Like, there's only one person. My hand is raised. That's still worship, but it feels silly. But if you're together as a group and there's 100 people with their hands raised in worship, it just becomes that much more powerful. It amplifies everything. So driving a car with your hands up while you're worshiping is probably not advice? Then? One hand is okay. Okay. Both Doesn't hands, you're sense. asking Jesus <laughs> to take the wheel. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that, gets, that, that gets a little... Something about, like, don't tempt. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and we can also, by being together, we're celebrating each other's victories. Um, and we can get encouraged, push through to find our own victory. Um, and it's only through authentic relationships with each other and with other believers that we can live out faith that we profess and become all that God has destined us to be when we do not give up meeting together with other Christians. And um, bottom line is, too long didn't read, come to church. <laughs> I, I think it's true. Go ahead. By the way, I, I love the gift of hearing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, because, you know, guess what? God gave us two ears and one mouth. And one mouth, that's right. right. If more of us had the gift of hearing, we would do a whole lot better than we already are. But, uh, you know, and it's important, though. I mean, I like it. I like how you said it. I don't think it was an accident. Uh, I think God gave us all that gift. We just got to apply that. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, when I think of Hebrews 10 and I think of, you know, I, obviously everyone's drawn to that, you know, do not neglect meeting together, right, as some have. But there's much more to that than just... You know, neglecting the coming together, and and whether that's the coming together on a Sunday morning or whether that's the coming together throughout the week, I mean, we need to learn again. The idea here is that the church is becoming one. The church is becoming family. You know, the uh, Genesis chapter two. We just we just read that uh, last Wednesday at, at home group, and at the end of Genesis chapter two, it talks about the two shall become one, right? And it's it's in your in your marriage life the two shall become one. I mean, we talk about this as pastors in premarital counseling and, and marriages all the time. But when you become when when we look at that two becoming one, there's a lot of things that that, that that takes a lot of time and a lot of getting to know each other. Now the interesting thing about this is that we often count that as a scripture for what? Marriage. Right? But if we look over in Ephesians, Jesus is actually or Paul is using this as an example of what the church is supposed to be like with Christ. We are to become one, not only with each other, but one with Christ. And that means, listen, we can only become one with each other if we spend time together, right? We have to, we have to spend time together with each other. We're, so. we're called to literally be the bride of That's Christ. That's right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just have one really silly question. I wasn't going to bring this up, but I have to. Solomon, when he wrote Ecclesiastes, must not have had a wife that had hot flashes. <laughs> uh, no, he did not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We won't go there. Never mind. Okay. Uh, you know, the church, the church in Acts chapter 2 uh, did wonderful things. And they did amazing things. Gave us this example. Then we look at Hebrews chapter 10, and there's this amazing story. Uh, and, you know, not neglecting to meet together. Well, my, uh, 
my, my message comes from Romans uh, chapter 12, and we're going to talk about this. If you want to turn over your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, uh, I do have my Bible, but because I'm old and it's getting a little bit easier to make my scriptures uh, large on my iPad. So, But there's this wonderful story in Romans chapter 12, and we think of Romans as this amazing book that tells us the difference between the law of God and then also the grace of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul is setting up the differences here. But he sets and he stops in uh, Romans chapter 12 and starts to begin to talk about uh, these items for us. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse, I think I have verse 2, right? Is that 3? Uh, verse 3. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. Let's pause there for a moment. How many of us in this room can think of ourselves with sober judgment? Right? Let's be honest for a moment. Like, let's, let's throw the cards out on the table, right? The very first thing that we think about is not sober judgment. We don't often think about ourselves and humble our thinking of ourselves. The very first thing we think about is how great we are and how wonderful we are. And we, we care more about ourselves than we care everyone else. So Paul, in his very opening statement, is saying, think of ourselves not more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. What does that mean? Again, I like to say this comment. God is, all of us are on a journey. We're all on this journey. That means some of us can look at this verse and say, I, I, can't, I can't humble myself. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I need someone to come and help me do that. That's where discipleship comes in, right? That's the whole process of meeting together. So he and I can sharpen iron uh, I like to say we sharpen iron and not rub against each other. But we'll sharpen iron instead, right? And so we're going to sharpen each other iron by coming together and having these conversations, right? But then there's also this idea of discipleship. And so not all of us are on this. Paul is very, uh, very quick to say that in accordance with the faith that God has distributed with each of you. Some of us in this room need the faith of others. There's times in my life when I need his faith and I need his faith to come alongside me and say, listen, we got this. Because my faith may not be where it needs to be. Some of you in this room may be approaching or going through something in your life when you need someone else to stand up and say, listen, you got this. God's going to help you. We're going to pray. We're going to see it through. You know, I, I, I talk with uh, Sue, and I'm sorry to bring you up, Sue, but I talk with her all the time. I believe that God is still going to do a healing in her. He may not have done it completely yet, but I believe he's still going to do it. I have the faith to believe that God's going to heal Sue, and as well as anyone else in this room that's struggling with something, including myself and anyone else. If you're struggling with something, God gives us a faith. Now, we need that faith because sometimes in accordance with what God has given to us, is it enough to help us get through that? We have got God is enough to get us through anything, yes, but sometimes our faith in God needs to be encouraged or built up. Now, just as each, uh, and then he says in verse 4, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The simple fact is this. The body of 
the church is meant to come together. Because listen, we need each other. We need to be a body. Have you ever seen, uh, ever uh, experienced or, or been friends with someone or talked to someone who is missing a hand, a finger, an arm, a leg, or something like that? It's very difficult. Listen, you stub your toe or cut your toe or cut uh, even your pinky toe. And guess what? You can have problems. I'm, dealing, I'm currently dealing with plantar fasciitis. And, and let me tell you, it hurts. You're, this little spot on my heel, about this big, it hurts. Every time I wake up in the morning and take a step, it hurts. I know that it's here. Why? Because my body is connected. And what do I do? I have to stretch. I have to do other things to get there. We as a body of believers, all of us in this room are one. We're called to be one body. But we can't be a body without each one of its members. And when we don't play our part, if one of you in this room decides not to play its part, then guess what? Our body is lacking what it needs. We're lacking the skill sets that we need. Each and every one of you is gifted. And so for us to become the church, for us to become the body of Christ that Jesus intends us to be, that means every single one of us in this room has to come together and play that part. Because without you, without your part, without the thing that you're playing, the thing that you're doing within this, then our body is missing something. And when our body is missing something, it doesn't operate the way that it's supposed to operate. Every one of you have a gift. Every one of you, God has blessed you with something to play a part in the body of Christ, to play a part in this body. And Paul goes on to just mention a few of them. You know, each of us has been given different gifts. My gifts are different than your gifts. We need people who have a gift of prophesying to stand up and prophesy. We need people who have a gift of faith to stand up and have faith. We need people who have a gift of teaching to stand up and teach. We need people who have a gift of giving to give generously. We need people who have a gift of leading to lead and to do it in the way that God has intended us to do. We need your gift. Now, I know, I know, I get it. I see on your faces. Pastor, I don't have anything that's going to help the church. Liar. But you don't understand, my gift is silly. No, liar. That's Satan talking to you, telling you that your gift is not important. Every single one of you in this room, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how young you are, every single one of you, even down to little Leanne over there, right? (laughs) She has a gift to play as well. Every single one of us has a gift to play. We have gifts in the church and that we need to come together and bring together. Why? Because there's a community outside these doors that need us together to be the body of Christ where we can then go and share as Ephesians, as uh, Acts 2 tells us to do. We're called to be the body of Christ. We're called to be together. That means each and every one of you is called to be together. I think I did everything. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> I'm just going to stop there. Any thoughts on that before we go, before I begin to wrap up? No, I, I just, I can't emphasize enough that everybody has a gift that can be used for the church. If you have a, a pinky thumb, you can help do something. Um, and and, and it, that's just, that's absolutely crucial because that's how you get connected together. That's how you get connected. That's how you fellowship uh, fellowship isn't just a. We we joke that fellowship is Christianese for let's get together and eat. That's, yeah. that's not all that fellowship can be. We used to fellowship as a men's group by yeah. chopping trees down. That's right. Uh, 
I prefer to eat, but yeah. if it takes chopping a tree down with a bunch of guys to have good fellowship, that's fine. I know uh, you and Steve as an office, yeah. have an awesome fellowship where you go walking through the woods. That's right. That is fellowship. That's right. That is what the Christian community is all about. It's that's about right. fellowship. It's about being together um, and working together and just living life together. That's, that's right. what the first church was. It was a bunch of these guys and gals who were together. Jesus had just died, and they're sitting there saying, what do, what do we, we do? do now? Yeah. And they had life together. They went to each other's houses. They shared meals. And I just I picture what that looks like today. Um, I'm going off on a rant. I'm sorry. Um, if, if Jesus would have just died today and we lived life the way that the first church in Acts did, it would look like going over to each other's houses and sharing a meal. That's right. It would look like if you have a, a friend whose kid is playing soccer, it would be going to their games. It would look like if you have a neighbor who needs shoveled out of their driveway, going over and shovel them out. It wouldn't be, oh, hey, I'm waking up this one day on Sunday, waking up early, going to church. Look at me, I'm a Christian. No, it's not what being a Christian is all about. That's right. And I'll shut up now. I'm sorry. You want to add anything? Uh, just this, that we are called by God to be stewards of these gifts. We're not, I, I'm not the uh, overseer of my giftings. I'm not the uh, possessor of these giftings. I am a steward of the giftings that God has given me. And you are the steward of the giftings that God has given you. So this is why it's important that we meet together every Sunday. Because if we meet together every Sunday, your gifts can be identified. They can, you know, and his job is of, of a pastor is to help you identify those gifts, help you to develop those gifts, and utilize those gifts in a, in a harmony uh, that the church might function and be blessed as a result. So it's important that you, number one, come to church on Sunday morning. That's right. Number two, Understand that you have gifts. Understand that that you are to be a steward of those giftings that God has given you. And number three, understand that you, by utilizing those gifts, bless the body of Christ. Bless your church family. Um, And that's all I have to say about that. You know, I'll I'll wrap up by saying this. Paul says in Romans... uh, 12 that we just read. I don't have this on a slide. So. But he goes on from talking about the body in Christ and he, the very next thing he says is that love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fever serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. But here's the verse I want to read. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, be willing, but be willing to associate with people of low position. I got some friends in low places, right? Paul is telling us that as a body of Christ, as a body of believers, if we would come together and be one, that we can be this family that he calls us to be. 
Each and every one of you in this room has a gift, has a purpose for being here. You are here today because God, there is, listen, in God's kingdom, there are no coincidences, there are no circumstances, there are no happen chances. It all happens for a reason. The very reason that you're here today is to hear this message. For some reason, God wanted you to hear this message. And so with that in mind, I'm going to ask you to stand. And as we begin to wrap up, what I want to ask you this is simply this. Can you view the people on your left and on your right and the people around you as family? If not, get to know them as family. Get to know who they are. Love them. Love on them. Have dinner with them. Meet with them. Because, listen, we got work to do. We got a community around us that needs work. And we need each and every one of your skill sets. And we need all of us to come together as a body to do what God has called us to do. I want to pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the body. And Lord, I'm just so happy to be with the family that I'm with today, Father. And I'm not talking about my immediate family. I love them as well, Father. But I'm talking about my church family, the ones that are here today joining with us. Whether they're here in person or watching at home online, I'm so happy to be family with them. And Father, I know that you have gifted them with amazing gifts, amazing abilities to do amazing things. And Lord, I just pray that as we come together, that we can come together as a body of believers. That we can form the body that you have given to us so that we can go out and change the world around us. Lord, I ask that today, even as we prepare to sing this worship song and prepare to close our service time today, may you speak to the hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. Speak to the hearts of the people who are here. Let them see how wonderfully made they are. To see how much they are loved. Not only by you, but also by us here today, Father. We choose to be a family with them. And Lord, I pray that you just strengthen those bonds. Help us to grow so that we can truly be your body, your hands and feet, and change the world around us. Forgive us, Lord, of the times that we have not done that. And help us to come into that time when we can be together. Now, before I close, I also know that, Lord, this family... In order to be a family, we need to love and care for each other. And the best way that I know to love for someone or love on someone is get them to know who Jesus Christ is. So if you're here today and you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, may today be that day when you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Help me to be one with you. Help me to do what you've called me to do. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. When you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and what he did for you, then you can have everlasting eternal life. That's a promise we are given. That's truly the best thing as a family member I can do to you is offer you that. So Father, I pray that those that have said that, welcome to the family, welcome to the body of Christ. Come and strengthen that bond and help us to grow with them. We glorify you, Father. We honor you and praise you now in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen. Let's worship together. The altars are open. You're a good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. 
It's who I am, your good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Your good, good Father, it's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am, your good, good father, your good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are a good, good father. And you love us and it's who we are. So, Lord, we are so thankful that we can be part of your body of Christ, but we can also be the body of believers called Passion Community Church. Thank you for bringing us together. Help us today as we go forth from this place to do exactly what the church in Acts did. And that is to know you, to live together with you, to share life together with you. Help us today, Father, to be the ones that you called us to be. We glorify you. We thank you again for this day. We look forward to serving you as your hands and feet as we leave this building and go out into the mission field that's around us, that's called our community. Help us to serve our community and do what you've called us to do. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. And we praise you now in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next week.